Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst from the Tagna, joined alongside by the newly married man and 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And he's got some hardware on that left hand. He's, he's, he's a guy right now emotionally exhausted, but guess what? Got to get back in the saddle at some point. I wish you had a. I wish you had another week off, Drew. I know you're so elated, but let's get right to it. How's it feel? You're married. Your life is forever changed. Uh, it feels amazing. And you know, people had given me advice, like in the in the weeks leading up, and the days leading up to to kind of my wedding weekend. And I, I don't think I could have prepared for just the emotional overwhelming like rush of of just joy and uh it has been a lot I, i've slept for like two days now um maybe maybe recovering from a little little bit of a hangover but i think it's more of just i, I think i left it all on the field <laughs> on uh, uh over the weekend and, and we're so fired up me and my uh now wife uh, you know i've always been saying fiance i didn't think i was going to be a ring guy cooper um but, but now I'm a ring guy. Like I just, you know, I was like <laughs> tattoo this on me, but uh, if I'm not wearing it, it, it feels a, a little void, but it was an awesome weekend, weekend of my life for sure. Tons of stories. Um, and you're up next, man. I called you and I said, dude, just be prepared. Cause I was an emotional mess. I told all my buddies, like, take me minus whatever to cry. Um, and I definitely cried a, a lot, a lot, a lot. So uh, tons of fun, and um, I'm I'm just ready to get back into it. Full disclosure: the other half of the Oyster Boys was invited to the wedding. Just couldn't make it happen. Sometimes those things happen. Drew, you also seem like a black rubber ring guy, temporary ring guy. I feel like that's just in the CrossFit culture. You got to have one of those <laughs> on the side. Yeah. Well, one of my one of my good friends like lost his wedding band uh, doing some doing some workout. Uh, but I actually like, I have that on now cause I, I, I was running. Um, I like the, the, the kind of titanium metal band as, as whatever, but yes, rubber, rubber silicon bands. I, I feel like that fits the, the coaching culture and the, uh, CrossFit running culture as well. What are you going to get? What, what, what have you picked yours out yet? I'm getting the gold band. Not like I had a choice, you know, I think yeah. originally, you know, Elizabeth is more like very traditional. So, you know, I kind of flirted with the idea of a silver band because sometimes I like to just be a little bit of a hipster and be independent and do my own thing. That's not happening. So I'm going to get a gold band. The funny thing is when you go ring shopping, it's like you're shopping for an engagement ring and, you know, you're going through this process and you're such a novice and you're finding out like, hey, what's the cut? What's the clarity? all this type of stuff. And then you get down to like the first time, like you, you got a little bit of an idea from a price range standpoint, what, what it's going to be like. And then it's just like big gulp, you know? And then you go, you shop for yours and they're like, Hey, that's probably going to be like three, $400. And I'm like, that's it. Huh? Wow. I mean, not that, not that you would want that to be any more expensive than three, $400 just funny i was like hey you're kind of getting off the hook easy here you know and it's like yeah we can cook that up get it ready for you like three three weeks out and, and if you're buying the engagement ring it's like a it's a completely different process and then the wedding band don't even get me started on that i didn't even know it's like wait i gotta buy another ring 
Goodness gracious, man. All right. Well, hey, Drew, we're going to ease you back into this. Hey, by the way, Drew, you left the show and we went up 52%. <laughs> I'm teasing. But if, if you've been listening to the show, we appreciate you listening. We feel like we're starting to find our groove here a little bit, especially with the interviews we had on former Washington and Boise State head coach Chris Peterson last week. That's something you're interested in. Not a lot of football, but a lot about life. Maybe you can learn something there. And then also Josh Pate, the host of Late Kick, came on, told his story. Very gracious of both those guests to come on and, and share a little bit of their path and what makes those two individuals so special. But over the last month, just talking to producer Lance Glenn, we are up 52% in downloads. So we appreciate all the listeners out there, the new listeners, the guys that have been with us from the very beginning. And if you're just joining the show now, make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, so on and so forth. Make sure also to leave a review as well. That's what keeps the show free, and we appreciate it. So, Drew, we are going to ease you back into it. You and I were talking. Hey, what are some things that could be an easy topic for us to talk about as you still try to find your sea legs a little bit? Six quarterbacks off the board in the Power Five since the beginning of March, and we want to talk about him a little bit. And let's start with NC State grabbing a guy out of the state of Florida and a guy that you're pretty familiar with and you got to see in Orlando at the Under Armour Combine in the last week or so. Cedric Bailey Jr. committing to NC State from Chaminade, Madonna. He's got some pretty good wideouts over there. Uh, and this is a guy six foot six plus, 185 pounds. He is a big physical frame what i mean by that i mean he's got 34 plus inch arms so he, he's he's got a lot of room to grow drew i turn on the tape and i see this kind of raw live arm and when it's good it's good and when it's not it's not and you're kind of looking for a little bit of the consistency the numbers to me after watching the combine tape i kind of went in reverse but you look at the numbers and they kind of popped and they were like wow you know, you slap a raw label on this guy, and then you see he's a 70% plus passer with a 45 to 6 touchdown to interception ratio. Sure, you got to take the supporting cast into consideration there, but I do like this get for NC State. And he is, after talking with Michael Clark yesterday, who covers NC State for the 24 7 Sports Network, he's going into a really good quarterback situation. I mean, he's going to have time to grow and mature physically and develop. I can see why NC State wanted to pull the trigger on this kid pretty early. Um, so when I saw this one, <laughs> it was interesting, and I knew you're going to come at me and, and and be like, "All right, like you know, we have this mid three star grade on on Cedric Baxter, and uh, Cedric Baxter is a kid I've had a ton of exposure to. I've saw him playing seven on seven when he was 14 years old for the South Florida Express U15 team." Um, Saw him as a sophomore at Shamadan Madonna Prep, which won a state title that year. Um, then they won a state title again this past year. I think the biggest thing with Cedric Baxter, you, you talk about it with him, is the traits, right? He is over six foot five. Um, he can throw a deep ball, but he's still very, very raw. And I think if you're an NC State fan, the most promising thing. Uh, when you look at those statistics from his 10th grade year to his 11th grade year, he almost improved 10% as a passer, as a sophomore. He's 59% uh, 
uh, as a junior, 70%. You mentioned he's throwing to two great wide receivers, Jeremiah Smith, a, a generational talent at, at wide out, and then he's got Josiah Trader. Um, he's also got a running back in the backfield next to him that's headed to North Carolina um, and, and uh, multiple offensive linemen that all signed with, with Power 5 programs. But he also improved that touchdown uh, number uh, as a sophomore, just tossed 19 interceptions, tossed 45 here as a junior. So uh, I like this guy. I've always liked his traits. I've I've always kind of wondered if quarterback is, is the long-term home for him. And, and Coop, I was trying to come up with a player comparison for him. Um, and I'm going to toss this one out here, and I think it's going to get uh, a bit of an interesting reaction. But what about Keaton Thompson, um, the kid, the, the former, I think he was the number one player or number one quarterback coming out of Louisiana a couple of years ago, uh, started off at Mississippi State, ended up at Virginia, um, did a little bit of everything at Virginia there, was used at times as, as kind of a wide receiver. But uh, I mentioned Keaton Thompson as a player comparison for Cedric Bailey, and that's because NC State's new offensive coordinator is Robert, Robert Anai, who was at Virginia um, when Keaton Thompson was there uh, and previously served as the OC at Syracuse and uh, obviously worked with Brendan Armstrong, who um, is also now at NC State. So you mentioned that quarterback room. It's an interesting one. I like this take for NC State. If, if, if Cedric Bailey hits, he's got a very high ceiling. I do think he's got a, a lower floor, um, but he's something that they do not have in that room. They do not have a body like him. Last cycle, they took Lex Lex Thompson, who was on the smaller side. So I'm here for it. Couple patag flags early, Drew. We're working your way back. <laughs> Understand the brain's a little bit foggy. Cedric Bailey Jr. We got mistaken for Cedric Baxter. Jr. Oh man. Oh. Times. And then you said he had 19 interceptions. That's not true. He had 19 touchdowns, right? I, I'm I all over the place. And 45 touch. Hey, that's why I'm here, baby. Lift you up. Get you right. You're a married man. You can do no wrong. <laughs> I'll say this. You know, the Keaton Thompson comparison is interesting. I Is it fair to say that you're not 110% convicted about Cedric Bailey Jr. remaining at the quarterback position by the time he's done his college career? Well, I, I mean, obviously he had a – I mean, this kid's won back-to-back state titles, right? Um, I just think – I've I've seen a ton. I've seen him in practices. I've seen him on the seven on seven circuit. I've seen him on the camps. Like I think I have a full um, array of you know multiple exposure points, and I just think he needs to continue to improve as a passer. And I know that jumping almost ten percent in his completion percentage, almost doubling what he threw uh, in terms of the number of touchdowns as a sophomore to junior. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I like him. I just still think there's a ways to go is what I'm saying. And, and you got to remember, he is in the perfect situation right now at Shamanana Madonna Prep. I mean, he he drops back and he launches it up there uh, and he get, his guys go go get it. So uh, I think the good is really good. And I think the bad is is pretty bad. Yeah, peaks and valleys, right? You talked about the floor a little bit. I think for him, it's about elevating the floor, which it which it typically is for the majority of quarterback prospects we're talking about, kind of going into their junior, senior year. The good thing that you brought up, Drew, that I really like when studying this kid is the boom in his game from his sophomore to his junior year. You talk about the ascension and his completion percentage almost jumping 10 points 
senior year, it's going to be really fascinating if he can hover around there again. And it's like you got to you got to watch the tape. And to me, when I watched the tape in Orlando, you were there. That's a different exposure point. But it's a he you combine the frame with a live arm. I think the biggest thing for him is like timing, touch, anticipation, right? It's like the nuances of the game. It's a little bit of the finesse of the position. That's where he needs to grow. But like I, I like this situation he's going with in NC State. We'll see what happens with him. Drew, I mean, you're going to have no shortage of exposure to him again, right, this year. So it's going to be a team you're going to see play a lot. Moving on to the SEC, I like this one. Daniel Kalen from Bellevue West in Nebraska. What are they putting putting in the water in Nebraska? <laughs> Commits to Missouri and Eli Drinkwitz, you know, a guy that threw for over 3,000 yards, almost 290 yards per game, was hovering around 64% completion rate, 36 touchdowns to seven INTs. You turn on the game tape a little bit, and you're like, all right, this guy's got some gamer. He moves well. He's verified 6'2 plus. He's got a 77-inch wing. He's he's got the frame and the arm is live to me. What stuck out to me was going back and, and watching him from the Elite 11 regionals in Las Vegas. And I really liked him. I liked the way he moved around. The arm was live. He looked mechanically sound. There was more there that I took away from the combine exposure than I took away from the game exposure. I like this kid. I think he can be a potential steal for Missouri. I'm really excited to watch him his senior year. He's someone that uh, was brought up right before uh, a bounce for the wedding week in, in terms of someone to potentially move into the top two, four, seven. And, and you mentioned he's at, at Bellevue West there, um, led his team, I believe, to the state semifinals this past season. Uh, a lot of people, I think what Steve Wiltfong, uh, our colleague, Alan True, they both brought up the fact that Probably the the one thing most would not know about Kalen is he's he's extremely intelligent. And I think when you watch his tape, uh, when you break down some of those games, you see that this isn't a guy that makes a ton of mistakes, right? Um, will go through his progressions, and and he isn't afraid to to check down. Um, and, and for me, you know, being being away, not plugged in. Um, I, I believe there was, it looked like maybe North Carolina was going to be the landing spot for him. And then bam, out of nowhere, he's headed to, um, Missouri, but I think it's, it's a guy that fits what Drinkwitz wants, wants to do on offense. And then, you know, when you plug him into that quarterback room, let's not forget Cooper, um, Missouri added Jake Garcia, uh, the, the, the former top two, four, seven talent, right? He, he was at Miami entered the transfer portal. He's still not there. You like have you have to like the trajectory uh, of the Tigers quarterback room. This is a guy I would asterisk because right now he's committed to Missouri. I'm not trying to rain on Missouri's parade, but if I'm a handful of other programs, I'm keeping an eye on this guy. Yeah. You know, and certainly if I'm Nebraska, right, we'll see what happens with number one quarterback and number one player in the land and Dylan Rayola. But this is a kid. In the state of Nebraska, he's definitely got some redeeming qualities and some traits to work with. So a nice get for Eli Drinkwitz. We're going to stay in the SEC East. Baby champ, with Muschamp, coming off the board, if you're not familiar, the son of Will Muschamp, linebacker's coach at the University of Georgia. Did I get that right? Glenn Schumann's linebacker's coach. He's Which fair. champ working with? I believe safeties, right? Safeties. 
Yeah. My apologies to the Georgia community and, and Will Muschamp there. But Whit Muschamp coming off the board. The number 46 quarterback in the country out of the Baylor School in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We got the chance to see him at the Under Armour camp in Atlanta a few weeks ago. I tell you what, the more I watch Whit Muschamp, the more I just kind of appreciate his game. And I, you know, where we have him on the board, we have him rated as an 87 overall. He's the number 46 quarterback in the country. Like, I feel convicted on that grade with where he is. You can tell, and we've brought this up when we've talked about him previously, that one, he is just well coached, right? Like the game within the game, the, the same thing we're talking about with Cedric Bailey Jr. and like the nuances of it. That's what Whit, Whit Muschamp has to his advantage. He might not have the athleticism, the frame, or the upside, but the game within the game, he plays it exceptionally well. I mean, threw for over 3,000 yards. He had a 31 to 2 TD to INT ratio. And again, with these quarterbacks, they always test better than what you would think. Sub 4-8, and then a 4-4-6 shuttle, right? So he's got some athleticism to him. I don't expect him to, to grow very much, but the arm is better than adequate. I think the arm is like above average. And he's a gamer. And I, I love everything about his game. I like this get for Vandy, and I like what Vandy has done at the quarterback position. And this one, to me, makes a lot of sense for what they're trying to do there. Well, we we talked about him on the podcast. I think before most people knew that Will Muschamp had a had a uh, had a son out there. No, I, we I liked him. I think what's notable here, if you are a fan of someone that is an SEC school, you know you're going to see Vanderbilt on the schedule, right? Uh, Vandy has the quarterback of the future right now for them. AJ Swan, freshman, played this past season. Uh, and in the 2022 cycle, they didn't sign anyone. They didn't take any any quarterbacks. I believe they got a walk-on who's going to kind of serve as that guy, you know, could eventually end up on scholarship. But here in 2023, they knew they needed to take multiple arms, right? Uh, or, or excuse me, in the 2024 cycle. So they didn't take anyone in 2023. They, they needed to. Man, I'm all over the place today. <laughs> they needed to take multiple quarterbacks. And uh, Whit Muschamp was someone that, I had heard they they really liked, and then you pop on the tape what he did this past year at the Baylor School. You know he made some big throws in some big games. Coop, I know you've watched a few uh, of those games, and they pair him with a guy that's also from the Chattanooga area, Jeremy Saint Hilaire. You would think that these two are going to eventually battle it out uh, and, and take over for AJ Swan at some point down the line. And uh, Coop. Vandy also got another commitment that I really like, kid from my backyard, or not really my backyard, but from the Sunshine State, Callahan, Callahan Blair, uh, edge player over the weekend. This kid is a, a candidate for the Freaks List, um, regional qualifier in the, in the pole vault as a, as a youngster, as a freshman. I, I got videos sent to me by someone at Vanderbilt. He's 6'4", 221 pounds, at a standing backflip on his uh, unofficial visit in full pads. So, um Vandy, nice little, nice little few days for them. I'll tell you this, like Barton Simmons. Obviously, if you're listening to the show, you're probably familiar <laughs> with who Barton Simmons is. He he used to be in Andrew's role before Andrew, and he is now the general manager at Vanderbilt for Clark Lee. Vandy has, I would imagine, they're in this position now where like they've done a really good job since the Lee and and Simmons era 
of really finding some guys early in the process that really fit them. But what what comes with that territory is now you got to play defense, right? We kind of saw it last year with Kamari and Pimpton and some of these guys. And I think for Vanderbilt, that's just the name of the game. It's kind of the food chain right now, right? So a lot more defense played for for Vanderbilt. But that's where you want to be. That's where you have to be. I mean, in order for you to get to where you want to go, you're going to have to play defense on these guys and convince these dudes to stick it out with you and that Vanderbilt is the best place to go. So I like what they're doing there. I'll tell you this. Also got to meet Clark Lee randomly. He was at the same hotel that I was in for the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game in Mobile. He was out on the road recruiting. And he was there, ended up having a great conversation, uh, me and Fong, and, and sitting down with him. Delightful. And, you know, I, I made the comment like, hey, you guys did some good things this year. And he was not – like his expectations for that program and where it needs to be in terms of the standard, that's what you want. And publicly he said that his goal is to win a national championship at Vandy. He does not shy away from that. That is not something he thinks is a, a laughing matter. I respect him, man. So I'm I'm excited to see what the Vandy boys are, are cooking up there in Nashville. Staying in the SEC West, with our boy Zach Arnett getting on the board with a top 20 quarterback, Josh Flowers out of the state of Mississippi. And this one, Andrew, I think you told me when you woke up from your wedding, you saw like the Panthers had traded for the number one pick. This was like me the next day with like Josh Flat. Like I, I think I saw it like two or three days later. I'm like, where have I been? This guy's in my area. He pops to Mississippi State. I didn't even know it, but the Bulldogs making Josh Flowers a priority. Six foot two, two hundred pounds plus, um, and a guy that's pretty well established. He doesn't light it up from a statistical standpoint through the air, but he's different than these other dudes that we've talked about because of what he can do on the ground. I mean, this guy had over thirteen hundred yards rushing. He averaged 120-plus yards per game. He had eight games with over 100 yards rushing, 15 touchdowns on the ground. The biggest question is he only had 10 through the air and two INTs. So you wonder, how is that really going to hold up over time? And it's a pretty interesting take when you take into consideration that who Mississippi State took last year at quarterback, right? Chris Parson. So kind of wonder what the trajectory of that room is going to be, you know, I think Flowers is a guy that's pretty raw as a passer, um, but overall it's got some pretty intriguing physical makeup that you can work with. Listen, I, I love the uh, aggressiveness from Mississippi State at this point. You know who your guy is, pull the trigger and go get him. Um, I got my eyes on this one. I'm, I'm interested to kind of see how this one plays out. Also averages eight points, four rebounds. And basketball as well. So that background and athleticism certainly there for Josh Flowers. Definitely one of the top, I think, dual threat talents, right? In in the 2024 20, cycle here. And I think that's what makes this one you kind of do a double take, right? We know what Mississippi State had wanted had wanted to do in that quarterback room over the past few years. Um and it was guys that could kind of operate the air raid. Chris Parson, when he uh, flipped from Florida State to Mississippi State, we talked about, hey, this guy's kind of a little bit different than what Mike Leach had taken in the past. Now you throw Josh Flowers into the mix, and it's like, okay, this guy is um, – you're right, not like the most polished of passers. But I will I will say, Cooper, because I when I charted all the 2024 quarterbacks 
a few weeks ago, this one stat stood out to me. Um, and Josh Flowers, when we go to interception rate in terms of amount of interceptions per attempt, and I, I hope these numbers are right, but he has the best I have found so far in that in that 2024 crop of, of top top tier arms. He's only throwing an interception one every 82 attempts. Now he's not throwing a ton of touchdowns. But what I'm saying is he's a guy that's not really turning the ball over. Um, so I think that's notable with him. 65.9% passer, averaging just over 10 yards per attempt. Uh, but but to me, I, this this has me wondering what what is Mississippi State going to look like on offense, kind of moving forward. Like, what do they want to do? Um, and I think for Mississippi State to get him in the boat, uh, kid from Alabama, right? I think he, this is a guy that more people maybe would have turned towards uh, as more of these dominoes fall. I I think that's that's encouraging, right? Like you should be fired up about that uh, first commitment or or, or first. You know, yeah, first commitment of the cycle for Mississippi State. They're outside of the top 50, but a, a piece you can kind of build around. Um, and for me, I just want to know, like, what what's next for them? What, what are they looking for there um, in terms of what do they want to do on offense? We're all over the place this show. One mistake leads to another. I say, I think I introduced Flowers and I said he's from Mississippi. He's not. He's from Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. What's going on with us, man? Goodness gracious, Tuesday show, we're working our way back into form. A couple shows without you, and all of a sudden the chemistry's gone. We got the chemistry. It's a little bit of lack of execution right now. But Josh Flowers certainly one that, you know, we keep saying. What's the direction of Mississippi State in that quarterback room? I guess we'll find out. Josh Flowers certainly adds into that equation as well. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. To the Big Ten we go. Ryan Walters getting on the board out of the state of Texas. Andrew, the rankings would certainly reflect this, but Marcus Davia, out of all the guys that we're talking about this morning, one of the most talented passers out of Midland, Texas, and this is Midland Legacy High School in Texas, I should say. 6'3", 210, big physical frame. He kind of reminded me a little bit of Dylan Rayola. Just the frame, you know, he's not as heavy. I think Riola is what probably hovering around 230. Davia, last time we got a, a, a measurement on him, he was around 210, but similar and similar in the way they move and similar in terms of being able to play off platform and throw from a, a variety of different angles. That's kind of Marcos Davia's game last year 12 games played, over 3,000 yards passing, averaged over 250 yards per game, hovering around 60% the year before that. 66%. So not really a big issue there. 36 touchdowns, 12 INTs. You know what's fascinating about him, Drew? You dive into the tape. The tape is so important, right? Especially when you get into the game tape. But to me, people always ask about this, like how much, what can you take away from like camp exposure or combine tape or seeing these guys live? It's like, well, you can kind of see the athlete. You can see the body type. You can see the way these guys move, and then you can see the consistency of the passer. Marcos Davia, to me, is fascinating because his footwork is really all over the place. He is a upper body thrower. That That is who he is. When he sets his feet, he's as good as anybody in the country, in my opinion. And he naturally does that on intermediate throws. 
where he doesn't do that and where he throws off his back foot and he has a tendency to really lean into his upper half is when he's trying to drive the ball down the field, more vertical passing. And that's where you start to see some of the accuracy issues kind of show up with him. If he can clean up the footwork, I really like the prospects of Marcos de Villa and what he can be, you know, him going to play for, for Graham Harrell and produce more of a scheme fit. And I think Marcos de Villa fits in, in terms of a scheme wise, but from a technicality standpoint, like in terms of him improving, I think there's a lot of room for him to improve because mechanically with his footwork, if he cleans that up, I think this guy can be a lot more of a consistent passer than what we've seen right now. In terms of the arm talent, there's really a lot to like with him. Can I bring this back around? I've started, I've started, I've started the show all over the place, right? Called Cedric Bailey, Cedric Baxter. <laughs> Said Cedric Bailey threw 19 interceptions. It was 19 touchdowns. Um, maybe I got Josh Flowers' hometown wrong. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close strong here. I, I promise you that. Um I think Davia to Purdue is one. It was the biggest commitment that that happened over the past week when I was get, of me being gone, right? And a few different reasons here. Um, I'll say this, and you know, I felt confident about it when you step away from from everything for a few weeks. You know, for a few days, you, you kind of get nervous saying this, but to me, I think Davia is probably the number two quarterback prospect right now in the state of Texas for the 2024 cycle. I think uh, when you have lag DJ Lagway, who's headed to Florida, I think he might have a higher ceiling. Uh, but in terms of a passer right now, I, I think Davia is kind of the guy. He's number two for me out of, out of, out of all the guys I've seen. Um, I agree exactly with what you're saying. Still kind of figuring it out from a, a footwork standpoint, but the arm strength is there. And I love the fact that he is over six foot two. I mean, I think he's over six foot three, right? 210 pounds, big kid, 20 and four on Friday nights the past two years. I just think the fact that Purdue, which hasn't had a quarterback drafted since 2009, right? Under a new look staff, hasn't really done much on the recruiting trail, is able to go and get this kid in the Lone Star State is is, is is huge. It's monster. It's notable. It's a sign of what's to come, I think, for Ryan Walters. It's been, I believe, five years since Purdue and the Boilermakers have finished in the top 25. Like, if this is a sign of what's to come, um, I'm, I'm fired up for, for Purdue football. And I didn't know when Ryan Walters was hired, like, I would be saying that. So I think that's what not what's notable about this one. This is a big-time arm. Right. I think so. Someone that I had kind of flagged behind the scenes is like, hey, you know, hopefully this kid gets the lead 11 finals. Maybe he's the guy we award a fourth star and he continues to move up our board. I don't think anyone on our staff doesn't like him. I think we're all fans of him. I think he's going to continue to be a riser for us. So so this is a big one. And let's not forget, Purdue is also involved with Air Nolan. And we've talked at length about him, you know, so um, I, it just has me a little bit excited about what, what to see from the Boilermakers in terms of uh, talent acquisition. I'm excited about Ryan Walters coming over from Illinois, defense coordinator, a guy that uh, you talk to anybody in the industry, there is a lot of respect for and bringing some, I think, much needed juice to the recruiting trail for the Boilermakers. And you talk about Marcus Davia. I mean, Drew, you said it like 
I kind of left this conversation being like watching him this morning, and this is something that you and I have not broached yet. But I mean, you can certainly see the ceiling on this player, and I think we got to be. I think we've learned we got to be a little bit more conservative with the quarterbacks and and how we scale these guys up and how soon earlier in the process, but a lot of clay to work with, with Marcos Davia, and he certainly checks the boxes of, of what we're looking for. So let's round this thing out in the big 10, Aaron Philo from the state of Georgia drew a guy that I know uh, you are, are pretty high on. Um, and a guy that's gosh, you, you read into the background a little bit last two years, I mean, he's thrown for over 4,000 yards. The other five quarterbacks that we've talked about, none of them have done that. Uh, he's also got a little bit in the tank as a runner as well. Uh, 4-9-ish, 40-yard dash, 69% uh, completion rate, 54 touchdowns, 8 INTs, 6'1", 200 pounds, floating around there. Um, you turn on the tape, and the one word that just stuck out to me was like, all right, this guy is a gamer. Right, like the way he plays the game, and we talk about the game within the game. Like he's just kind of got it dialed there uh, in terms of being able the the instincts within the pocket, the ability to navigate, climb the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, always knows where to go with the ball, and then the ball placement. I think from an accuracy standpoint, that's kind of what sticks out. And what's funny, you get him in a combine setting, he's more of a thrower than a passer. Right. And, and the accuracy is kind of more of a question mark than not. But you turn on the tape and it looks like a real strength. So he's a he's a intriguing evaluation. But if you're if you're Minnesota and you just had a lot of success with a guy that I would put in the gamer category and Tanner Morgan, I mean, this makes sense. So production, there's no arguing with that. Um and then, you know, athletically, I think this is a guy that's got enough in his body to kind of fit what they want to do. I like this gift for Minnesota. I don't know how high the, the physical ceiling is here, but I think this is a guy that fits what P.J. Fleck wants to do. I agree. <laughs> I thought we talked about a little, a little bit about him on my last episode. Um, maybe not. I think we, Cooper... did, we did. I just – I wasn't up to speed at that point. Okay. Okay. Right. So – was, I remember a few weeks ago talking with like a, a college uh, group of five school. I was like, "Hey, you you need to offer this kid now." And they're like, "What?" Like I'm like, "He is just he's kind of got some some it to it." Um, and then you know, so when it comes across my timeline, he's going to Minnesota. I'm like, "Well, look, I told you guys like uh, this this guy was kind of flying under the radar, which is insane to think about because he is at uh, Prince Avenue Christian School, which is where Brock Vandergriff was at, right?" He threw, I think, for more yards than Air Nolan, who we just talked about this past season. We've praised so much on this podcast. And he's playing, being coached up by John Richt, Mark Richt's son, who used to be a uh, full-time assistant at the University of Miami. I agree with everything you said there, Cooper. You put on the tape, you watch maybe some of his playoff games. Like, there's some moments where you're like, oh, uh, and then you're like, okay, like, you know, like, I get it, right? It's, it's very, like, grip your seat type of play style. Um, but he just kind of makes some things happen. Um, I'm not the most well-versed on, on Minnesota's quarterback, quarterback outlook, um, but I saw the kid that they took in the in the 2023 cycle play some seven-on-seven, seven, uh, and I've seen Aaron Philo, and, and for me, I'm banking on Aaron Philo. I, I think it's a good take for Minnesota, and P.J. Fleck continues to go down into kind of the peach state. 
which is SEC country, and, and, and get in early on some of these guys. So, no, I, I agree. I, I like this. Um, he's, to me, Aaron, is the type of guy where two minutes left, my team's down, like just just put him on the field and, and, and let him go to work, and, and that's what I want. I think he's he could, he could thrive in that kind of relief role um, under pressure. So six quarterbacks off the board since the beginning of March, all power five guys right there. And then, you know, the good part about this is, you know, maybe outside of Mississippi State, if we even want to say that, I mean, these aren't brand power five programs, right? But these are programs definitely you want to continue to monitor. And it's fascinating. Like this is, with all due respect, I think this is what you would call the secondary market, right? So you're you're watching this secondary market kind of getting eaten up here, and that cushion oh. is getting eaten up, I, I, and it puts and it puts more pressure on the programs out there that are the quote unquote brand programs that have yet to get a quarterback in the boat. And then, you know, we always talk about this domino effect. I think this only adds a little bit more pressure to it to the schools out there that are still playing musical chairs. I think you're absolutely right, Cooper, and that's what I was going to ask you. Right, like let's think about. And, you know, take a University of Miami, right? University of Miami, new offensive coordinator comes in and Shannon Dawson. We, and we talked about with, with Mario Cristobal a few weeks ago on that, right? You're the University of Miami. It seems like Aaron Olin's a guy that they're after. Michael Van Braun, uh, the kid from St. Francis Academy. That's another guy they've been involved. But one of the more recent offers for them was Davia, who's now committed to Purdue. Then you look at Cedric. Bailey, I almost said Cedric Baxter again, junior. That's a kid who is 45 minutes up the road, who is a target for, or, you know, is a teammate of some of your top targets there at Shamanad Madonna. Miami have never really been linked to him, but that is now an option that's not on the table, right? And and I think you're absolutely right. Like we we are talking about certain top high-end quarterbacks, but this next tier, this next wave, these guys get eaten up. Like it's it's certainly notable, and you know, you said it with Daniel Kalen in in in, in Missouri. Like, man, you better hope that that Nebraska gets Dylan Rayola, so that guy, you know, they don't have to turn to you um, and take your guy. This is where the cost benefit analysis comes into play if you're in a personnel department, and a lot of these conversations have happened, but it typically happens with the quarterback position. When do we make a move? We got a guy that we love and we got a guy that we like. And the guy that we love is keeping us warm and the guy that we like is ready to go. Those are really difficult decisions. We had we had a couple of those at the University of Washington on guys that we were in on. Those are those are tough decisions. And sometimes they can be the decisions that really play a big part in the trajectory of your program because that's the most important position in the game of football. You want to get that position right and you don't want to settle. And I think, you know, the other part about this, like we can tie this back into early exposure to have these guys, to have your board set. And we don't talk about this enough, but, you know, it's the 2024 cycle. And I, I, I get on here and I complain all the time about, 2025s and 2026s and 2027s and all that, it's important to know who's who, who's got a pulse, right? Who Who's shown enough that says, you know what, they kind of fit in the bucket that we need to do our homework here. And then if they're in that bucket, 
That's exactly what you need to do. You need to do your homework. You need to get these guys to campus. You know, you kind of need to pick and prong them. You need to put them up on a whiteboard. You need to get a feel for them in terms of what they're like as a person and in between the ears. That way, when you fast forward a year or two later and you got a decision to make and it's one of those things where, hey, it's it's really it's 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 a thin line that you're trying to decide between. Those are the factors that come into play. And it's all about an information gathering process. And, you know, you talk about Miami, right? But. It just so happened to be, but they have a new offensive coordinator. So what happens when a new OC comes in? They got to reset the board. Josh Gaddis and Shannon Dawson, for all we know, could be completely different the way that they evaluate the quarterback position. Shannon Dawson comes over from the University of Houston. He's very familiar with Marcos Davia, right? They pull the trigger, but but by that time, you know, Davia's already got a lot of things sorted out. And that doesn't mean they can't get back into it, but continuity in your evaluation process is so important for things like these. And they're everyday things and decisions that people don't see, right? So when you're evaluating all these guys and you're trying to decide, hey, what are the critical factors? What are the things that we are going to value in the evaluation process? That continuity, that alignment and thinking, not just the quarterback position, but every position throughout that you're, you're evaluating, that's why it's important. And the teams with continuity and the teams with alignment in the same language and their evaluation process, like we used to say it all the time, same language, force multiplier, right? So when you got all these new faces coming in, it's difficult for everybody to see eye to eye and get them aligned. So that's why it's important. So anyway, my little rant there <laughs> on quarterback board, when to pull the trigger, why it's so important to have these guys on campus years and years out. Cause you can also see, how these guys grow, develop, and mature as individuals as well, which is really, really important. Um, all right. My final thoughts on the quarterbacks, that was it. Drew, another noteworthy commitment, not a quarterback, but Norrell White, four-star out of the state of Mississippi. And this is a guy from St. Martin High School, three-phase player, gets it done on both sides of the ball. You can say quicker than he is fast, dynamic with the ball in his hands. I think the only question here really with White is potentially top end speed. I, I love this kid. He pops to Sam Pitt, Pittman and the Arkansas Razorbacks. I mean, for Arkansas to go into Mississippi and, and, and pull this type of kid, uh, and, and especially when you know you got teams like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, the in-state schools, LSU had offered Florida State. I mean, that's a huge deal. Arkansas, to me, continues to kind of elevate their profile and dip their toes in to a more talent-rich pool the last year or so. It seems like that's kind of more evident. Number 24 in the rankings right now, uh, Sam Pittman and them. And we, we, we brought it up in the past, just Pittman and what he's able to do. Uh, I got some exposure to Norrell White at Battle Miami back in, in January, a uh, guy that was making plays at wide receiver. Um, 
I kind of agree with your assessment there. Maybe maybe the top end gear doesn't have the the, the true turbo under the hood, but uh, a guy that most of the SEC wanted and, and a lot of SEC West schools and for Arkansas to get him um, in the boat now is is certainly notable. I, I, I 100% agree with you in terms of we always mention stacking classes on top of classes that's how you fill it out sure you can you can do some stuff in the transfer portal but it comes down to that that high school recruiting and and, and that's a a monster win for them uh, on monday right that that was monday or am i getting my days wrong here that was monday that was <laughs> that was yesterday correct yeah big win for the the hog boss and the juice box crew seems like big. seems like he's going to maybe play some defense correct that could be it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him on either side of the ball. I think he's a dynamic athlete, but nonetheless, big get for Arkansas. Drew, it's great to have you back in the saddle, my friend. I missed you. It's been uh, – what? I mean, you, Tuesday last week was your, your last day, right? Technically Monday yeah. was your last day of work. And so it's it's been about a week since I've seen you, my partner in crime. Any last words of advice as a newly married man? <laughs> As you as you enter the next phase of your life, um, words of advice. I you know you know. I think the coolest thing, and I I told you this about the whole wedding weekend, and you know we did it in Fort Lauderdale at this hotel. Is just hearing different people relive memories they've had of you, like in in. Hey, I knew you were this. You're the one for Morgan at, at this point, or um, you know Morgan was the one for you. Uh, it, it was just awesome to hear that stuff. And, and, and Coop, I'll, I'll say this, um, you know, I think coming into the weekend, if there was one side of, of the wedding that was expected to maybe be a little bit uh, on the rowdy side, it was definitely my side of friends. Turns out that was not the case, not the case at all. And, uh, I was in an elevator with Tom Loy and, He's like, yeah, man, someone someone hit someone with a, a belt. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, there's no way any of my friends did that. So uh, and all of my friends made sure to let Morgan know that they were not the bad ones over the weekend. So that was a, a, a definite highlight of the wedding weekend. Did Tom Lloyd drop any uh, crystal balls after midnight? <laughs> <laughs> no, my no, boy, Lloyd, man. Yeah, I, I tell you what, Tom Lloyd, my favorite, my dude. Love him very much, Drew. I had something, um, gosh, Lee, something top of mind. It might have to wait till next episode. I'm, I'm forgetting right now what I'm what I'm even talking about. Hey, how was your golf game? I know y'all hit the simulator. Uh, we uh, we played PGA National, right, which is where they play the Honda Classic. Uh, I was like plus thirty at the turn. <laughs> At the turn, yeah, at the turn. Uh, but they nine, coach. Yeah, they make it a little difficult to kind of chip on that on that thing. Yeah, yeah, those those things are tough. Oh, what I was going to say is, I don't know. You know, we're kind of. I think we're kind of you and I. We're starting to bake in a little bit of our golf fandom into the back end of our shows a little bit. If you haven't been watching Full Swing on Netflix, great show by the way. I'll tell you who I'm going to be at my wedding. Tony Finau. What a tremendous dude. But every oh. time they showed him, just crying every single time. That's going to be me. I'm going to just, every time you see me, I mean, that's going to be me. That was you, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was me. That's a great one. And yeah, because 
I, like it's so like you like Tony for now, but then you watch the full swing. You're like, I just love this guy, right? Like he's easy to love, dude. Yeah. I mean, everything about it's kind of funny. We kind of talked about it with Chris Peterson last week, but you know, they're they're he's getting dinged because people are saying, yeah, he's got world class talent, but is he focused enough to win week in and week out? Because he's got his family traveling with him on the road, right? And he's got a handful of kids. I don't, I don't know. I think he's like five or six kids. And, you know, his his wife is going through a really hard time. She lost one of her parents. Finau's been through that himself. And he was just like, I'd rather be there for the person I love the most than look back on my career and say, Hey, I really had to, had to focus on, on getting a couple wins on tour or whatever it is. And I mean, talk about a dude that's got perspective and got it figured out. And, you know, they kind of showed Colin Morikawa and what his mindset was that episode. I mean, he's a young dude, he's 25, he's an assassin. He's one of the best in the world. And he's just like, I could never do that. So, and then Finau wins in back-to-back weeks, I think last year in 2022 when they were filming it, which is pretty awesome. So that show is great. I still got to finish it out episode seven and eight got to get to the McElroy episode I'm sure there's going to be a lot of a lot of drama in there and then uh god who's our other guy um man he was like the 70th ranked player in the world he was uh, hilarious Joel, Joel Damon Joel Damon what a dude love that guy all right that's enough golf talk for the boys we will be back tomorrow and producer Lance Glenn he's going to be on vacation he'll be out for the week but we enjoy him and we love him as always. We'll have our temp in. I believe his name is Jordan. We're fired up for him. Also tomorrow, like Andrew says, lesson learned. But as of right now, we got an interview locked in. We're pretty excited about that one. We got interviews locked in for the next three to four weeks. We want some big dogs on here. <gasps> we want some big dogs, big dogs only interview on this show. So we're fired up about that. Like I said, if you haven't done so already, make sure you smash that subscribe button leave a comment for us guys we appreciate you listening to the 24 7 sports football recruiting podcast for the man himself the prince of florida the newly married man the director of scouting andrew ivins for everybody's favorite Rutgers fan and booster lance glenn for everybody's favorite 30 handicapped golfer if that's even a thing we will see you tomorrow thanks for joining us